We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. Caregiver, Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, how are you? And uh, awesome. you, 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 always awesome. You got up early for me today. Again, you're West Coast. <laughs> I'm East Coast. So we're coast to coast with an unbelievable guest. I cannot wait to talk to her. And so introduce our guest. The sequel to Carl Sagan and Andrian's blockbuster Cosmos continues the electrifying journey through the space and time, connecting with worlds, billions and billions and billions, as I should say, miles away, and envisioning a future of science tempered with wisdom. It sold 40 million copies and spent a year on the New York Times bestselling list. Congratulations, Anne, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be with you both. Thank you for having me. Now, and absolutely, and I wanted to just jump really quickly in, and you kind of talked about off air that you're concerned about our world today. Can you can you explain more about your, your concerns? Well, I don't think I'm alone in feeling <laughs> that we are failing at the most basic challenge that any organism, even a one-celled um, bacteria, has to rise to, and that is you have to adapt to the environment. We are slashing at the fabric of the environment with total carelessness and destructiveness. And we know we're doing it. We can see the floods, the wildfires, the coal melting, everything that's happening, the ocean heating. And yet we are sleepwalking through this and allowing ourselves to be governed by people who have no respect for reality. And by which I mean science, which is only a way of finding out what's true. And so, yes, mourning the death of 200,000 people completely unnecessary and uh, lasting shame to our nation. I am worried that we will not awaken from the sleepwalking until it's too late. It's not too late now, as I hope. We make clear in the new series, Cosmos Possible Worlds, and personally in my book. And, uh, yeah, I'm worried. I'm very worried. And I want to be able to look my children and grandchildren in the eye and tell them that we're doing everything we can to protect the world for them so that they get something as beautiful as we received from our parents and grandparents. Okay, Dave. Next yeah, part. and uh, I think uh, conservatives and, and progressives would also agree. Everybody is worried. And uh, it almost sounds like the earth is rebelling, you know, like with the wildfires and, and with everything that's going on. Uh, this is one of the rare moments then that the uh, conservatives and the liberals should be able to get together. I mean, it, it's like a clue. If we don't, we're going to kill each other. Exactly. And, you know, the evidence is mounting. I don't think people need to be convinced, even those who will not admit that they know that the climate is changing and that the environment is unraveling. I think everyone knows that. But what I think we need to know is what the solutions are, what we can do at this moment, how we can use the power of science and high technology to remediate to heal the planet and heal these problems. But we can't do it if the people who have the most power uh, like to pretend otherwise. And 
that's our challenge. And I think that is where all of us, and, you know, Carl Sagan and I years ago joined with religious leaders and other scientists to uh, to make an argument on defense in defense of creation. And our motto was, you don't have to agree on how creation came to be in order to want to preserve it and defend it. And so I am happy to make common cause with people of every political persuasion, because this isn't a political issue. This is a survival issue. Right. It's definitely, it's so it's, it definitely is. And talk about your next book and what what should we expect? My new book is Cosmos, Possible World. It's the sequel to Carl's magnificent original Cosmos. And it's similar to the original, although I tell a very different story, in that it really, you will meet heroes you've never met before who struggled and who gave us an enhanced uh, picture of nature and the universe. And I think the reason I offer them up is because each of them had a very dramatic life. There's, you know, we're a story-driven species, and I think stories are the best way in to master and own scientific information. And so this is a collection of stories about people who had the right stuff, the stuff up, done at the cost of their own lives. But unlike others, they were unwilling to hurt another person. They were searching, doing the sacred searching that I think science is, in order to better understand where and when we are, and also to find the key to how we can flourish as a species. So Cosmos Possible World is it's a journey into the future, into the distant future on other worlds, but also into the future we can still have right here on this planet if we act now. Hmm. You know, Anne, I've hmm. I've been a teenager uh, ever since I was watching uh, you know, Carl Sagan and, and Cosmos and I, I was reading your bio, and I just realized that you actually wrote Cosmos. Carl was the host of it. So, like, you're the brains of the operation, huh? You no, won the- no, no. Yeah, no, no. We wrote it. We wrote it. First of all, Carl was the brains. We wrote it. I mean, I think Steve Soder, our co-writer, and, and, and I, I hope, contributed quite a bit to it. But we wrote it as a wonderful team uh, in, the, in the late 1970s, and it's a real testament. Carl's and Steve's scientific acumen that it holds up. It's still a great read 40 yeah. years later. What, what a tragedy. I, I really miss him. I miss him so much I can't even begin to tell you yeah. because to know him deeply as a husband, as a father of my kids, as a person was I really believe. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm so hopeful. I knew Carl. Carl was mm. a guy who, who who really had character, integrity, goodness, poetry, rigorous science, everything in one human being. And witnessing that yes. has made me very hopeful. And he was an Go ahead, Dave. Dave? Yes. Go ahead, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, and he was an optimist as well, yes? 
Well, he was a very realistic optimist in that, you know, he saw the dangers going back to when he wrote his PhD thesis on the planet Venus, which is the beginning of our modern scientific understanding of the planet. And he explained uh, the mystery of why Venus was emitting so much microwave radiation. No one understood it until Carl in his mid-20s realized that there was something called a runaway greenhouse effect on Venus, the coin he phrase. And from mm. that moment on, he began to worry about full of the carbon dioxide and methane oh, that wow. we are lofting into the atmosphere. Uh, and, you know, our first cosmos in 1980 did a whole episode on the danger we were creating for ourselves. Wow. All right, so Dave has a final question for you, and then we're going to find out where we can have, find more information on all the different projects you have going on. Dave has a quick Caregiver Dave question because it's a short time, so go quickly with the short version, not the long version, Dave, question for <laughs> Ann. Well, I, I am a caregiver. My wife had a stroke, lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And since then, I've been traveling the country just help, trying to keep caregivers to stay alive because 30% of them die. My question to you, Anne, is uh, how has caregiving affected your life? Um, I think of Carl and, and how he died. I'm not sure how he died, but were, were you his caregiver at one point? Uh, I was his caregiver for the two years that he uh, had three harrowing brain marrow transplants oh. and fought so bravely for his life. I have been the caregiver for my parents who lived across the road from me. And I have to say that to all the caregivers, yourself included, um, think of the constant effort and love and compassion that we are called upon to give in these situations. Mm. If we can take care of another human being with such tenderness and such goodness, we can solve the problems we have. There's no, there's no harder 24-hour job than being a caregiver, except for maybe being a parent. And mm. we have, this, is a, this is an art form for human beings. We have, to, we have to now apply that strength, that patience, that love, that energy. To being a caregiver to the planet, and that means calling the mm. people who are abusing it accountable and defending its beautiful earth, the only home we've ever had. A caregiver to the earth. I love that. That was well said, for sure, Anne. Uh, Thank and you. You have a bunch Thank of different you. things. You have your book, also the, the TV show that you can talk about. So where, where can, where's the best place we can catch up with you, Anne, and stuff and purchase the book? Where can we go? Okay, so thank you so much. Um, you can go to Fox on Tuesday night, 8, 7 Central Time, to see the latest Cosmos, Possible World. You can go to Amazon to buy the book, Cosmos, Possible World. You can, on Instagram, you can go to Dreanism and Saganism, two sites on Instagram, or you can go to carlsagan.com online. And... Uh, you have been so generous to me. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with your audience and to get to know you guys a little bit. All right. It was great to know you too. Great talking to you, Anne, and thanks for calling.
Thank you. It was my pleasure. All right, guys. I take care. All right. All right. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and, you know, we're in political times, a very challenging times, but we have to start standing up for the people that don't have a voice that they should have in a democracy, and I think this is the hardest part about it, regardless of what political party you stand by, what if you're independent or whatever, how can everyone have a voice, which that's why we're on in this country, the United States, is for everyone to have a voice, and our guest today really wants to start speaking out about certain things. So I'm excited to welcome to the program CJ Krim, director of Resistorhood. Uh, CJ, how are you? And uh, I'm excited to talk about the documentary, but I mean, I don't you agree with me? This is the biggest problem that we're dealing with in this country is not allowing everyone to have a voice. A lot of voices are just don't have a voice in this country. Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I have to say I am coming on the air with a heavy heart have, having um, you know uh, the notorious RBG uh, no longer with us which is creating even more angst in our country right now but that is exactly right you know I I created this documentary resistorhood because I come from a military background my father was in the Air Force he was a fighter pilot in Vietnam <laughs> and growing up uh, you know when I was five six seven years old we would sit around the dinner table and talk about American exceptionalism talk about the fact that this country among all countries in the world is where people have the opportunity to achieve their dreams and you know and it stood for equality and justice for all and when i think about what really compelled me to go out it was actually a week after the last presidential election when i picked up a film and i mean picked up my camera and just started to film and ask people how they were feeling because it felt like a lot of a lot of people were being were being shoved aside and it did not feel like the country 
I believed in. See, and that's yeah. kind of the, the right. catalyst for the film. I think the missing point in all this, regardless of either side, how every each side hates each other so much in certain aspects based on misconceptions, but everything. I'm just what I'm trying to say in this fact is we don't look at specifically what's right. What's the right thing for everyone in this country to have equal rights upon the law to be able to have a voice and to do the right things meaning the right things there shouldn't be the right things that are going to make this country peaceful not divisive and move forward and i think this is the biggest missing component is the fact that we can't have a certain we we get angry when certain people have a voice and especially if the voice is the one that really needs that representation their fear people are fearful uh, to allow those people to have a voice. Why is that, CJ? Oh, you know, it is. Uh, this is the most polarized time, I, I oh, suppose, yeah. since the Civil War in this country. And, um, and that is a really interesting question. You know, I, I think people have just become emboldened, I guess, to strike out against other people who don't look like them or pray like yes. them or, you know, and and that goes against everything that we stand for in this country, at least in my mind. And if you if you really look at some of the well, look at Martin Luther King Jr., look at, at John Lewis, look at Mahatma Gandhi, look at Jesus, you know, what they are telling us is is, you know, it's through love, not hate, that we bring each exactly. other together. It's it's through reaching out and supporting each other, being a community, and somehow we've lost that. And in this film, that's what we're trying to show that we can, that we are better off all coming together, supporting each other. You know, it's not a what do they say that about a pie? It's not a pie. <laughs> equality is not. You know, it's if I have equality, it doesn't mean you have less. It's a rising tide that exactly. lifts all boats, and so that's the positive message that that we're trying to get out through this film. You know, come together, open your minds, open your hearts, and and reach out to each other. Try to bridge that, boy, that chasm that we have in our country yeah. right now, and yeah. and start some some dialogue with each other. I think we would find out if we talk to each other. You know, if we really were able to get away from that fear that we have right now. And, I, and I'm speaking as somebody who is, I'm afraid to talk to my siblings right yes. now because they are very conservative. We There are there are issues we won't bring up because we're family and we kind of want to keep it that way. So, so you, you, you made it. I you, I'm not alone. Exactly. And you make it like it's a civil war. And it was brother against brother, cousin against cousin, uh, mm -hmm. the hatred on each side, north and south. And we're at that point in that boiling point. And that's just really disappointing in so many ways that if we looked at each other's circumstances, there's maybe a few different things that we disagree with, but we definitely don't take the political polarized side of each party where they just, they just draw a line and that's that line is it. Forget about it Yeah. on each mm -hmm. side instead of saying, okay, here's the reason why we should honor certain people. It's not because you don't agree exactly with that person, but that person's done such great things. And I think that that's the missing component. And it makes me as a journalist, if I'm going to be a true journalist, that's going to interview people from the right, people from the left, people from the center, independents, whoever it is of any circumstance in from celebrities to authors to anybody, they all have different voice to give them that voice to listen and hear them out and to understand that. And that's what's special about our country. But if we decide to say you can't have that voice 
you are wrong you are evil i don't you you are my enemy it destroys everything right we no longer have a conversation and that's one thing to your credit because i've listened to your show it um you do reach out and you do talk and you do let people speak and you do listen and you do engage in that conversation and we and there are so few sh- places to find that right now. Thank you. <laughs> it's just it's just astounding, but it's true. Seems to be true, uh, and it's 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 a tragedy. It's really a tragedy. And you know, we're coming up to a place where, where as individuals, well, the the film Resistorhood is all about everyday people yes. getting out and making their voices heard, doing things from a grassroots level, where you know whether it's writing postcards or giving speeches, you know, wherever you can to, you know, to marching if if you believe in something, um, just doing something to make your voice heard. But the whole documentary really is to fire up people to get out and vote. And it's it's not saying vote one way or the other. It's really vote. Just vote. This is that's your great. that's yes. your voice. I mean, each one of us have that responsibility. The winner of this election's voter turnout. That's the bottom line. It doesn't matter about polls. It matters who's going to show up on November third, and the, or with the mail inbounding, or we'll find all that stuff. Uh, voting who is going to vote, right? Because if yes. they if people don't vote then their voice will never be heard. And it sounds like that's the reason why you showed this demo- um, documentary. There were so many people that did not, that stayed home during the election between President Trump and uh, and, and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, they did. The people just they stayed home. They didn't like either one. They, so they stayed, home. stayed home. And that yeah. hurt either person in each different area of the country regardless when the reason why we have free elections people need to study this and i'm sure you've talked about this in your documentary or shown this or in other countries there's a revolution after after the voting's over or there's some sort of cheat huge cheating going on and really a democracy the people did not choose who won and our country slowly but surely going back going to like other countries in the world that don't have free elections Yes, it's it's really one of the one of the subjects of the documentary moved here 50 years ago from Egypt. <laughs> and she said, you know, in Egypt no one votes because it doesn't mean anything. And that's so tragic. And it is. and it does feel like we, you know, if we don't stand up now, we're headed in that direction. So we have to take our our opportunity and our voice and 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 use it as a privilege. That's one thing she talks about. I mean, it's a privilege that we have to vote because so many places around the world, they don't have that opportunity. They have no voice at all. And so we have to use it now or we're going to lose it. From all the fighting we have done, all the wars so we can have freedom, we have to keep being free. And the only way to do that is not allow somebody to dictate what we choose. And that's the thing that you talk about. You're afraid to talk to your relatives because they are conservative or, you know, or you might say the wrong thing that causes a relationship problem. And this is what's happened in our country. And we have to understand that when it was Gore and Bush, it wasn't the end of the outrage after Bush won. The world didn't end Mm -hmm. that next day. People weren't ready to go out and riot the streets, right? But imagine if something like this happens in this election, which I think everyone's preparing for. It's not going to be the same thing because the people that were running were cordial with each other. Yes, they didn't agree on things, but they had some sort of semblance of respect for each other. They didn't have the right. And look how, you know, uh, former President Clinton and former President Bush, how they get along really well. 
and they have different ideologies. So oh, yes. th- that's <laughs> there you go about we even though that's why we have our political system. So I'm glad that you have this in this documentary to highlight these things. But to, really, the goal is to go out and vote. How has it been received so far? The uh, documentary? Well, it's it's um, it's been received very well. We're just going on uh, online. We're streaming actually starting today. It's voter registration day. <laughs> We're streaming uh, on Amazon and and on Vimeo On Demand starting today. But we've been accepted into 15 film festivals, which were supposed to have happened starting last April, but started, I guess the first one we were in was the end of August. (laughs) Because of the pandemic, it's been a little tough to get out there. So I appreciate your uh, giving us this opportunity to talk about the film. But it is, um, we're really starting to pick up some good press. And I feel like it's this, you know, we're, we've started with this little snowball at the top of the hill. So you're helping us push down the hill. And (laughs) hopefully it'll, it'll gather up a a head of steam. And we can, we can really motivate some people to go out and um, vote and get others to vote uh, exactly well, and, and, and those yeah. fi- and those film festivals that's where it's going to get grassroots get out people to vote and the, and with the pandemic it makes it difficult because gra- used to be hit the ground now it's online it's a totally right. different game uh, online fundraisers to online everything and everyone's still trying to figure this all out you see it some days in the news when they're running zooms and they still can't the people that connect on zoom with the television studios get it or whatever skype or whatever it is so i think that this is a just a different lifestyle and again we have to get through this and uh hopefully by 2021 we have a safer country uh healthier country and that we're moving forward in this century and especially this decade so it started out hard but i don't know if this was a test of some sort for our country but i'm hoping it's not the roman empire because everyone forgets that you could be at the greatest place in the world but every uh empire falls and history so let's hope this is not us so we have to learn from our mistakes and hopefully move forward and people need to check out your film to understand that but also look at the the people that don't have a voice or, or have a challenge to have a voice in this documentary it highlights how they see how important our country is and how important it is to vote and that's ultimately the goal with the film correct yes absolutely and and hopefully people will come out will vote will come together and we'll have at least 250 more years of this amazing experiment in democracy that we've had so far and it won't be crashing down uh, anytime soon <laughs> Well, you're, you're tremendous. It was great to talk to you. And thank you again for the kind words about how I interview. And I appreciate you uh, researching some of the people I interview. And as I said, I have different people. If you would go on to my podcast, if you just look at my individual podcast and all the people I interview and shows I produce, every one of them, regardless who they are, I give them a voice. And I think it's important. And we, if we could have this kind of world where we all can get, just get along instead of just just be angry we're never going to move forward as a country. But great parallel, you talked about the Civil War. So again, where can we, we? you told us where we can find the film, but what about you, CJ? Can we connect with you social media-wise and people can connect with you? Yes. Well, actually, probably the easiest way right now because all my whole life is all resistorhood all the time at the moment is at resistorhood, and that's resist. Uh, well, it's actually sisterhood with R-E on the beginning of it, doc. DOC for documentary. So resistorhood doc 
that's the website. That's our Twitter Twitter handle, Facebook, Instagram. We're out there, and that's where I, I've kind of left everything behind for my personal uh, <laughs> connections at the moment while I'm trying to push this out. So um, right now, if you can connect with us there, that would be wonderful. I see it all, and I can get back to you. I would love to um, hear what people think about the film, what you you know, what you have to say, what your ideas are for for moving our country forward. Well, it's a great, great service and it's needed and everyone needs to go out and vote. So again, thanks again for calling. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, CJ. Take care. All right. Take care. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening Bye. to Neil Haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Brandon Lang. Brandon, how are you? Uh, you know what? I'm not betting bottles of wine with you because I just can't handle uh, losing, Brandon. So, and, and someday we'll meet again when COVID ends. So let's get a prediction. When do you anticipate we go back to normal? After the election. That's what I predict, too. After the election, life goes back to normal. It's sad, but it's true. <clears throat> All COVID's going to turn out being is is a upgraded version of the flu. That's it. COVID could kill as many people possible, and it's still not going to kill as many people's cancer. It's still not going to kill as many people as the flu. Um, before COVID ever hit the market, we didn't live our life in fear of the flu, and we didn't live our life in fear of cancer. Uh, you get cancer, you try to beat it and, 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 and say goodnight. Not to sound callous, but that's the world we live in. That's the life we live in. So it, it, it's amazing that we have overreacted um, in the manner in which we have to something that is um, – it's a, it's just a upgraded version of the flu. And we're going to find out that that's what it is. We're going to live with it, not even worry, think twice about it in, in, in six months from now. So um, <clears throat> it's amazing to me how the media – um, yeah, controls the narrative and scares the American people into living the way that we are living right now. And people can say what they want about me, but uh, my actions speak louder than my words. I never get a flu shot, never have gotten a flu Neither. shot, no, nor, nor will I ever get a flu shot. And I'll go one step further. I will never take the COVID vaccine. You can put a gun to my head and I'm not going to take it. And that's just the, the reality of the way I live my life. I'm healthy. I eat right. I do the right thing. And I'm not worried about a disease taking me out. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. And I wear a mask and I, I adhere to the protocol in front of me. But at the end of the day, we're going to look back on this and say, wow, why do we our do this? Go yeah. our, yep, our government is, is, has lost this country over an election. And both parties, Democrats and Republicans, are to blame. And we, the people, is now gone um, from our yeah. from our from our life in the United States of America um, and what our forefathers fought for. So it's a shame, but to take our mind off that per se, sports. our sports and exactly. football, and, and and even if there's no fans there, you as a football fan, me as a handicapper, I never really even noticed the fans aren't there ah. because the product has been so good the first yes, couple weeks. It has been in both sports, and I think that's the thing. The fans might be a distraction, and they're finding this out that they get to play, and you know they're not as you know they have to be isolated so much from distractions. We all know who those distractions are, Brandon. Let's just jump right specifically enough in to um pit versus uh again louisville this week who do you have 
Yeah, good game. Good game. Louisville just kind of fell flat on their face against a Miami Hurricane team that I think we're finding out. The U is back. They are. They beat a really good UAB team on Thursday night uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and, and then the impressive win over Louisville. Um, Satterfield still an excellent spread run going back to App State and Louisville, 17-9 and one against the spread since 2018, and Pitt 7-14 and one against the spread at Heinz Field since Narduzzi took over in 2015. Uh, I know they haven't met since 2013, but I'm going to take Louisville plus the points. See, here's the reason. It all depends on the type of uh, team they play. Pitt does not do well against a passing team. If this team's going to run, I don't watch Louisville. That's the only way Pitt wins is if they don't. The big splash plays kill Pitt every day since for 20 years. So another splash play, and they're shot. That's it. The, the big heavy hitters, if you looked at every pit loss, it's because of a team that goes and dra- drops back and throws the ball. Remember when Miami had that one quarterback in, and it's like, oh, it looks like Pitt's going to kill them. Then they put the quarterback in that could make the plays, and they lost. So there you go. We'll see. I'll, I'll take Pitt, and we'll see what happens. Um, the Steelers, are you impressed by them? Yes or no? Disappointed in their performance last week at home. Um, that was a team that they should have manhandled. Um, a Denver offense that doesn't scare anybody. A Denver offense that struggled at home on Monday night against Tennessee. Um, and you saw Tennessee's defense turn around, let Garden Minshew go up and down the field on them in Tennessee. And yet Pittsburgh allowed Denver to hang around, allowed Denver back into the game. Just a pathetic performance for a Pittsburgh team that should have blew Denver out of the water. All that being said, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers better be very careful this week. This is a wounded Houston team playing for their season. I mean, they opened up the season having to play the Chiefs. Then they came back home and had to play the Ravens. And now they're staring down the barrel of being 0-3. And we know the odds of a team that's 0-3 trying to make the playoffs. It's basically slim and none. I'm going to take Houston plus the points to play as their life depends on it, which it does at Pittsburgh on Sunday. And it all depends on specifically Ben Roethlisberger and his performance. If they can put up a lot of points, it's going to Pittsburgh wins. If they can't put up a lot of points, I don't see them winning. That's the real truth. In the yeah, but, but I, I don't be surprised to see Houston put up some points as well. Oh, they're going to because the Steelers, as I talked about, Pitt give up the big play. The big play has always been, uh, I guess, a cornerstone of Pittsburgh teams giving up the big play. They'll play great defense, but when a team comes and tries to really bring it their game. But you think Houston's a good team, then you see Houston winning. One thing I've seen in the NFL is there are a lot of dominant 2-0 and teams and a lot of terrible teams this year. G- agree? Yeah, there are. Um, and I do think there's some teams that are overrated as well. Um, I think the Saints are overrated. They got exposed on Monday night, and I think when the smoke clears, you're going to find a a Saints team that's going to struggle all year. Drew Brees is going to struggle all year. Uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, he's got that running game going. They put up over 40 points the last two weeks. Uh, you might want to get you some of Green Bay plus the three and a half over the Saints on Sunday. So you think the Saints that finally that it's it, you know they had a decent run, and now it's time to say goodbye. Well, I said when they had home field advantage last year in the playoffs, and they lost in the coming off a bye, then they proceeded to lose to the Minnesota Vikings. I said, uh-oh. I said, that's it. That window's closed. That window's closed. That that that, that business 
went out of business in that loss at home when they had every advantage of the world to get back to the Super Bowl. I want to agree in his age. I think it's over. So BrandonLang.com, we're going to talk about all access pass by going to BrandonLang.com right now to take a look at different things really quickly. But I want to bring up, you know what? I'm not giving up on my nuggets. You know, that, that, that shot in the heart game two, I watched it. I said, oh, my gosh, why didn't they just rebound the basketball instead of tip it and take the block? Then Nuggets win. Nuggets could be up 2-1. Is there st- you said no way that Lakers lose. Is there still a chance the Nuggets can win? No. No, they'll play them tough. They'll, they'll, they'll play them tough. Um, because the Lakers, the, the Lakers are like a cat that's playing with a little, little teeny stuffed animal mouse. And you bat it around, and you bat it around, and then you get bored, and you leave it alone for a while, and then you'll come back like two hours later, and you'll bat it around and bat it around, and they're up 2-0. They won game two, luckily, and then they kind of came out in game three and got beat. And and the Lakers don't play their best basketball till they're challenged. Do I think the games will be competitive? Yeah, I do, because I think Denver's a pretty good basketball team. But at the end of the day, the Brow and Braun challenged – they're not going to let this one slip away. Seven games we're going. Yes, seven games. Lakers win it in seven, and uh, and then they'll go on to probably play the Heat, who they'll dismantle in five. See, I see with no home court advantage, that makes it that the Nuggets would get swept if there was if it was in L.A., meaning like real crowds. I think the basketball really is affected by not having fans. Agree? Like that. Yeah, I see that to a certain point. Um, it, it's it's a glorified pickup game. The players are playing more relaxed. That's why you're seeing such incredible individual performances because of no fans. If you've ever been in a gym where NBA players are playing five-on-five, five, this is exactly what it looks like to me. And this is somebody who's been in those games with those guys. So it's that's to me what, what I'm watching. I'm watching a game at Rutgers Park. I'm watching a game in, 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 at, the, at Compton High School in L.A. I'm watching a game at Spectrum Club in Manhattan Beach. Uh, I'm watching these guys go out in Venice Beach. That's what I'm watching, and that's why we're seeing incredible individual performances. All right. BrandonLang.com, right? Right now? 10-2 in football. 10-2 in football this year. Uh, Raiders plus the points over the Saints outright on Monday night. Uh, trying to go to a perfect 4-0 on Thursday nights. First Thursday of the year, we came strong with uh, South Alabama plus 11.5 over Southern Miss. They went out right by 11. Uh, following Thursday, we came back with the Chiefs of the Texans. Uh, last Thursday, we got the backdoor cover with Joe Burrows over the Browns. So tonight, we're going for four straight and looking to get to 11-2 and two, or 9-2 or and two in football this year. Good start to football season. Hey, like I said, if this is 2020, LeBron loses and the storybook ends. That's another 2020. If we're looking at disappointments, that would be the disappointment the Nuggets won. Because guess what? That's another 2020 story that was ruined because of something about 2020. So if you're ever thinking the Nuggets would win and beat the Lakers, it would be in 2020. No other year. So I appreciate you calling, Brandon, and thanks for stopping by. All right, bud. All right, see ya. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. 
Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our special simulcast, Neil Haley Show, your beautiful day on the Gratitude Radio Network. And we have an unbelievable show today. Again, I can't believe it's August 1st. We're really finally going to be finally through that summer. But I first want to welcome the program, Jen Mogg. Jen, how are you? And you're excited about our guest, aren't you? Hey, Neil. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, we so appreciate you listening to the Gratitude Radio Network in your beautiful day. I am thrilled as a mother, as an entrepreneur, um, seeing young people flourish. And on today's show, we've got that for you. We have Alina Morris. She is the INC Fortune 5000 CEO. Um, she is the founder of Zolly Candy. And before we introduce her and before we get started and you fall in love with her story and her candy and how she's changing the world, I want to introduce you to someone that's also changing the world. And that is my co-host, Pearl Sharenza. Hey, everybody. So excited. This is like one of, I think today's show is going to be so much fun because as the owner of Women's Successful Living, one of the parts that we're doing is really reaching out to the young girls in the, in the country across the world. So I'm excited that this amazing host you're going to introduce as well. And I'm excited to be the co-host. So Jen, take it away. Hey, thanks. Thank you. So as I said, we have such an inspirational story today for you, um, something that not only can you carry home, but you can go to the store and pick up her candy, her candy that is helping with cavities. And this is Alina Morris. Alina, welcome to your beautiful day. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Wow, yeah, it's fantastic you're here, and uh, I'm blown away. For our audience, tell how old you are. I mean, that's the amazing part of this whole story is your age. Because, again, you present yourself so well off, off camera. And we're talking to you and you feel like that you're 10 to 12 years older than you really are. So go ahead and tell our audience that. Yeah, so I'm 15 years old, but I started my company, Zolly Candy, when I was seven uh, on a trip to the bank with my dad. You know, the bank teller offers you a lollipop. And my dad always told me, you know, you shouldn't have candy. Sugar is terrible for your teeth. So I asked him, well, why can't we make a healthy lollipop that's good for my teeth so I could have candy and it wouldn't be bad for me? Then after about two years of research and plant trials, Zollipops were born. We started selling when I was nine years old. Um, and we've been selling for four years strong. Um, and I'm proud to say, you know, I'm one of the youngest entrepreneurs in America. That's fabulous. And Jen, I'm blown away. Again, this is the, exactly the kind of story that we need to have in this, especially in this tough time to know somebody who really just came up with a great idea. And then there you go and ran with it. Well, I think the, the cool, one of the coolest things is that she shares my daughter's name. So let me start there. <laughs> I'm a huge fan already. And the second thing is that she's pursuing, I mean, you're pursuing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. 
at such a young age. How take us back from the bank to when you got home. Yeah, so you know, I, I had this this kind of uh, basic idea, some would say, you know, candy that cleans your teeth, candy that's good for you. I'm sure every kid's thought about that, you know. I can have candy without my parents saying no. But um, I was a, a very tenacious kid. I'm still very tenacious. Uh, and so I kept asking, you know, when are we going to make these lollipops? When are we going to make these lollipops? How can we do this? Um, and eventually my dad said, you know, if you want to make something happen, write it down. So I wrote down a plan in my idea binder. Uh, and, you know, I wrote out what I thought was a business plan, what was really just a picture. Um, and then I, I got to research. I, I looked on Google, YouTube. I watched videos on how, you know, lollipops were made um, until, you know, finally uh, writing out some sort of a, an ingredient list, replacing, you know, the sugary ingredients of a lollipop with healthy alternatives. Um, and then, you know, looking for uh, a manufacturing facility, looking for a place that we can make these, these zollipops. Um, and so after, you know, finding that manufacturing facility that, that fit our needs, um, because, you know, we wanted to be very particular. We wanted to make sure that this was a very inclusive product. Um, you know, we're free of the top seven allergens, uh, nut-free, gluten-free, um, non-GMO, kosher, uh, vegan, um, and keto as well. So, you know, we, we really check all the boxes, making sure that anyone with any kind of, um, you know, food allergy or, you know, uh, if they're diabetic – you know, they can enjoy this product too. They can enjoy something that is good for their smile, but also tastes good. Um, and so, you know, after creating the, the six Zollipop flavors that we have today, um, we took it to our first retailer, which was Whole Foods, a region of Whole Foods stores in California. Um, and, you know, if you want to make a progressive product, the first place you want to try and sell it, California. <laughs> They're accepting to new ideas. So, you know, we, uh, they loved our, our idea. They loved the product. And they said, we would love to bring you into our stores. So after that first region of stores, we really took off. Uh, we got into Amazon.com. We got into uh, Kroger stores, Walmart, uh, Target, CVS, and Walgreens. Um, and, you know, uh, iHerb.com. So we really uh, skyrocketed. Um, in, in growth and um, just, you know, overall more people knowing about the company, more people uh, able to uh, keep smiling and, you know, adhere to their, um, their, you know, food and or, you know, health challenges, but they can still have something that'll keep them smiling that tastes great, especially for kids because, you know, kids don't love brushing their teeth, but they do love lollipops and lollipops that clean your teeth is a win-win for everyone. One of my other great ideas that I still, I still have hopes for um, is robot dads. So they're basic. When I was younger, uh, my dad traveled a lot for work um, and, you know, was going on a lot of business trips and I was like, you know, why can't I create a robot that goes to work for you so you can stay home? And I thought, you know, <laughs> this could work for, for any parent. Uh, you know, it has customizable features, make it look like your dad, 
or your mom. Um, and you know, you just send that to work so that your parents can stay home and hang out with you. And I still think it's very, it's an, I love the idea. idea. I'm investing. I'm investing. I, I would like to be two places at once. I got somebody I want to hook you up with. That's my son is going to school at Florida Polytech. And those are some of the things that they're forward thinking of. Yeah. So I would love to put you two together. They have the, um, the 3D printer, the original 3D printer company comes in once a month and works. I've, I'm going to connect you because that is an amazing, I might you too, Neil, if my kids are growing, but if I could be even now two places at one time, I'm in Alina. So let's, let's get some investments going. I'm excited. That is so cool. I love the thought of the idea binder. I just think, you know, you're forward thinking, writing things down. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that those are some of the things I know you're still in school, but I would, I would love to see you out there speaking about those kind of things. That's just awesome. Thank you. And so, you know, when you think about projects and I can see you're a creative person starting that early, uh, when I coach people in business or coach them in social media or branding or just talk to my clients in general on their mission and vision, I always look at they have so many ideas, but then to implement them. How do you keep yourself in that way with the product and continue to look expansion with not overextending yourself? Um, well, really, uh, this Zali Candy was the first idea um, that really uh, felt possible. Um, and even, you know, it, it was a far out idea, but it still, you know, was something that I was really excited about. Um, and it felt like kind of the first thing that, uh, you know, I could really do um, and that I was going to put the time in, I was going to put the effort in. Um, and a lot of times when, when people think, you know, CEO, they think, oh, well, this person does it all. You know, they, um, uh, you know, they're in every aspect of the company all the time. Uh, and that's just not the reality of it. Um, even, even myself, you know, being a, a first time CEO without, you know, going to business school or even getting into high school. Um, I was uh, kind of uh, nervous because, you know, you think CEO with that big title, you you have to do it all. But when it came down to actually building the team and um, delegating, uh, that was a really important lesson that, that I, you know, found was really interesting for me personally, but then also so um, comforting that I had all these people around me that were so supportive and so um, passionate and so good at their jobs that, you know, they go, they do their thing. Um, so I can, you know, work on other, you know, other parts of the, the, of the company. Um, and so, you know, I didn't feel like I had to do it all. And that's a great point that when you put yourself as a title of CEO, you better not do everything or you're not the CEO because ultimately you have to have a team of people to have that success. And as an entrepreneur, I've struggled with that for 15 years to look at how do I finally scale things and it seemed like from the beginning you looked at each and every step involved to do that which i'm impressed meaning that you didn't and i could see you could be a controller especially that early coming up with the product idea that 
you are willing to delegate and put the right people in charge. And that's good. Yeah. And it's, you know, also being a young entrepreneur and, you know, like I said, not going to business school or, I mean, I was doing fifth grade math, so I couldn't be in the accounting position. I couldn't be in the, um, you know, sale or sales and, and social media marketing position because I didn't even have a phone. Like I, all of these, all of these other aspects of the company that I was just not equipped for um, were, was things I needed to consider that, you know, I really can't, you know, do everything. And I think that it was easier for me to delegate because I knew that I needed the help. That's a great point. Now, Jen, it, it's and when you run different things, that's what you always look for, right, Jen? Is a team in development, and especially as in she's an actor and a, and a singer. You always have a team around you, right, Jen? It's not just try, you trying to do everything. You try, you try to do as much as you can. Delegating, I think, is the greatest success in the world if you're able to do it. It's hard as you get older to to have okay. to off of it. Yeah. And also seeing how your team pans out. Some people that you bring on, you may think they're powerhouses and they're not. So it's just life lessons that we keep learning. I wanted to ask you, because this has been on my mind since, um, since I started looking into Zolly Candy, what makes Zolly Candy clean your teeth? Yes. So the magic teeth cleaning ingredients um, are a pretty uh, – different part of part of Zolly candy it really sets us apart from any other candy in general but especially uh you know sugar-free candy because other sugar-free candy isn't hate to say it it's not fun it's not family friendly um but Zolly candy has even more health benefits than a normal sugar-free candy but it's also you know it still tastes great it's still fun like does this look sugar-free this doesn't look sugar-free no. This is like a party. fun party explosion unicorn candy. And that's what kids think when they look at it. Um, they have no idea that this is going to clean their teeth and their parents are tricking them into doing something that's good for them. Um, but Zolly candy uh, has a, uh, a very interesting way of cleaning your teeth. So because we have we started with Zolly Pops, um, lollipops stay in your mouth for, for quite a long time. So it gives the ingredients, our magic teeth cleaning ingredients, xylitol and erythritol, mostly erythritol. Um, it gives them time to raise the pH in your mouth, neutralize the acid. So it takes the acid um, from any food you ate. Even bottled water has acid in it. So it brings the acidity level in your mouth to a normal level. Uh, and that remineralizes your teeth. So when there's a lot of acid in your mouth, really after you eat anything, um, it allows your tooth enamel to become very soft, susceptible to uh, the bacteria that causes cavities. Um, because that bacteria grows in a acidic environment. Um, but with Zolly candy, when it's lowering that acidic environment, that acid level, it's remineralizing your teeth and getting rid of the bacteria that causes cavities and tooth decay. So there's actually a really cool way to test it that you can do at home. Um, Amazon and a bunch of other uh, places sell little pH test strips. 
and you test your pH before you eat a Zolipop, usually after you eat, you know, any meal, because that's when your uh, acid levels will be the highest. And then you have a Zolipop, or you have some Zaffy Taffy, or you have the brand new Zolly Caramels that you can find in CVS. And you take your pH again after you have Zolly Candy, and it should be significantly lower. So it's a really cool way to show, you know, in your own home, at-home experiment, especially for kids, that's a super fun um, at-home school science experiment because, you know, you're going to be at at home learning. Um, you can still do some fun, fun science. Um, and you can see, you know, Zolly Candy actively working in your mouth. All right. So I'm going to hand it over to Jen to finish um, the show, but I appreciate you stopping by and I'm amazed. Uh, but I tell you, I'm waiting to hear when you have your own show, it's going to happen. I, I, have, I have a good feeling about it. I'm Thank shocked you. you don't have a podcast too. That would be another thing I would see for you, especially in the field of talking about uh, young people and entrepreneurship for sure. Yeah. And when you do Alina, you can, you can plug it right here at the gratitude radio network. And, and we'll do whatever we can for you. Thank you so much. On that, um, on podcasting or anything that you would like to do, um, I, am, I am here for you as um, the mother of gratitude. So, <laughs> but we've been listening to Alina Morris, who is the youngest Fortune 5000, INC 5000 TED Talk, has her own candy. The amazing story of her going with her parents to the bank and coming back with an idea that's changing the world one lollipop at a time to become healthier. So I'm really happy about that.